Blog Talk Radio. It's Sunday evening, and welcome to Pause I Am Radio. Your hosts for tonight's show are Robert Brenning and Jack McEnroe. They'll be taking your calls and speaking with a different guest each week. You're encouraged to call in and share some of your life experiences with us. The number to call is 347-215-9442. That number again, 347-215-9442. Welcome to Pause I Am Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Pause I Am Radio. I am your host, Robert Brining. Tonight, my co-host is Jack McEnroe. How you doing, Jack? I'm good. How are you? It's been a while. It's been like forever. <laughs> yeah, right? Well, you were away, so, you know. <laughs> and you've yeah, been really busy, so it does feel like forever. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's hard to um, call in from... I'm scared to get my phone bill, because I was in Germany and Amsterdam, and, like, they don't have... I don't have international service, so... It was like fifty cents a text and a dollar twenty nine per minute if you use the phone. So I think I'm going to get like a two thousand dollar phone bill. <laughs> and how how much was it a tweet? Probably fifty uh, cents. <laughs> uh, Jack, are you there? I seem to have lost you. Uh, I seem to have lost Jack. So first of all, if you're tuning in, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Um, you're listening to Pause I Am Radio. You can find more information about the show at pauseim.com. That's P-O-Z-I-A-M.com. Um, you can also uh, check out the social network there and past guests and find all of our past shows in, um, on iTunes. You can subscribe today. We are actually celebrating our two-year anniversary, Jack. Did you know that? Um, I think you lost me, but I'm back now. <laughs> oh, oh, I was just saying, um, today is actually, um, like our two-year anniversary for the show, so. Oh, awesome, awesome. Yeah, it's, it's well, kind of interesting. Cool. I was um, excited, but just for, um, real quick for people who are just joining and listening for the first time, um, you're more than welcome to, uh, view the chat room and listen to the show. If you want to get involved in the chat room and ask questions and chat with other people, you have to join Blog Talk Radio, and you can do that just by creating a profile. Uh, there's Facebook and Twitter Connect, so it's an easy one-two click. And then you can actually have a screen name and chat with other people and ask questions in the chat room. Um, so, so how has your little vacation been? Um, well, it wasn't really a vacation. I mean, I've been, tra- I've been <laughs> training for like nine months for this meet. So it was good. I mean, Cologne, the gay games in Cologne were intense. I was swimming as... I mean, it's 35 sports disciplines, so, and swimming is the biggest one, and it takes the whole competition, I think, from opening to closing ceremonies is nine or ten days, and swimming is six of them, so it just really took up all my time. By the end, I was super exhausted, but I did well. I won a bunch of medals. I was happy. Um, it was good. I didn't do quite as well as I did at Nationals. I didn't do quite as well as I did in Cologne last summer, but, you know, I'm getting on in the years, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations. You know, I read your blog post, and for people who are um, not sure exactly where your blog is, uh, they can actually go to jackmackenroth.com and, and check that out because you just recently posted about your, your trip there and all the medals you won. You know, that's yeah, great. Congratulations. That's, that's, thank you. And actually, I was thinking about that because I beat myself up sometimes when I have trained really hard and I don't do my best times or I don't have the best race or whatever. And then I, because HIV doesn't, it's, it doesn't, I just think of my, I don't think about it at all. I'm totally in swimming mode. I'm in competition mode. And, and then it takes me a while to come back and I, and I reflect on it. And I'm like, yeah, I did all this and I'm dealing with living with HIV. So I, I mean, and sometimes I'm, I'm my worst critic. So um, I think it's good to just remind yourself of that. I mean, not that you should say, oh, what was me? I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, you know, disabled. I have HIV, but it's like, in spite of having HIV, I'm still able to achieve all the things I want to do. So, that's good. Yeah, I think that's why it's so important. You know, I try to tell people that it's important to be active and to do things like get involved with um, sports teams and things like that. And if you're not, you know, somebody who is athletic and you don't do sports, you can always, you know, go to the gym or something to kind of get your mind off of it. And just yeah. going there and, like, you know, you swim and I play soccer. And when I go do those things, I don't really think about living with HIV until I actually take my meds. Right, right. You know? 
And then, and then I actually had a kid come up to me, um, and he was like, well, I just want to say thank you, because I found out he was an American swimmer. I can't remember what team he was from, actually, because it was sort of blurred together. But he's like, I just found out I was HIV positive three months ago, and it's been like, you know, it's, it's a lot different than it was when I was converted, and he's totally actually fine with it after a little bit of therapy. But he's like, I'm, I'm getting pretty good with it, and, you know, it's just an adjustment. And I'm like, well, you know, you'll be fine. We had a little chat. So those little moments are great. You know, you know, you're, yeah, you're imparting wisdom to someone or they, they, you know, are inspired by what you've done or, you know, educated by something you may have said. So it's good. It's all good. And then um, beyond that, I had a really weird experience and I don't know if you want to bring the guests on first and talk about it later, but I got a letter. We'll we'll, we'll talk about it later so we can tease them. Okay. Well, it's funny. I got a letter from my dad who I haven't talked to in 20 years. So that'll be interesting to talk about. <laughs> oh, there you go. So you can all hear that later. We actually have our guests on the line. And um, Jade Electra is our guest tonight. And she is a performing artist. Uh, she's also known as AKA DJ Relentless. Um, and she is out of Toronto. She's also a blogger for PositiveLight.com, which is, uh, we had Brian Finch on and he talked about that. So uh, please help me welcome Jade Electra. Jade, how are you? I'm good. Can you hear me? Yes, yeah. I can hear you. Oh, okay, great, great, great. I, 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 I've been listening for the past five minutes, so I was just like, okay, um, I don't know if I'm connected or not. <laughs> no, yeah, well, we're we bringing you on, but you, well, you're coming in loud and clear. How are you tonight? Oh, I'm good, I'm good. And how are you? Fab. I was actually looking at your um, DJ bio earlier, and it was just funny because I was going through the years, because I don't want to know, you don't have to just say your age, but we must be similar oh, in age. We must be similar in age because I was looking at your DJ gigs and it was like the break and the works and all these bars that are long gone. I was like, oh, that's so funny. Because I've been to all those. I was probably there when you were there. Probably. So funny. So, Jay, thanks for uh, taking some time out to talk to us this evening. I appreciate it. Um, I've, you know, been friends with you on Facebook and I'm also friends with your partner and, you know, and all the great things that he does. Um, But, you know, you are a little bit more out there and a little bit more, you know, out and about about your status. So I thought I would have you come on and share a little bit about what it's like, you know, being Jade Electra and being HIV positive and kind of how, if you at all, intertwine them at all. Um, so uh-huh. first, tell us, tell us a little bit about, you know, when you were diagnosed. How old were you? How was that situation for uh, you when that happened? Um, I got diagnosed in 1990. So I was, I was like 23, or about to turn 23. And um, I was living in Tampa, Florida at that time. And uh, I, I had just uh, actually t- taken my first trip to New York City um, previously before I got the, di- the results. And uh, so I was working on a show called... Um, something New York, blah, blah, blah. So I wanted to give a taste of New York to Tampa. And I remember I got the news that afternoon and I walked from downtown Tampa to the bar that I worked for, which was Renee's. And uh, that was probably a good couple of miles. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. I don't even remember doing the walk at all. Uh, I got there and I had um, these sets that I had to do uh, for the show which I had given myself a week to do. I did them all that day. I, I just, like, I kind of zoned out and just started painting and doing all these sets and stuff like that. And then afterwards I went home, and um, I, I remember I had just gotten this apartment, and I had just gotten cable in my apartment. And I sat down, and Still Magnolias was on. And uh, I had never seen it, so I sat and I watched. And, of course, by the time, you know, Julia Roberts dies. Uh, um, I, I, I was a total wreck. And I'm like laying in the middle of the floor in my living room crying, not like heavily like crying. And I was crying so hard my nose started bleeding. And the phone oh, rang. God. And yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the phone rang. And it was uh, at the time I was actually dating a girl. And her name was Tracy. And she called me and she was like, you know, she could, I was trying to compose myself, but she could tell something was wrong. And, uh, and so I just told her, I said, you know, I 
just got the news today or whatever. And she like immediately like dropped everything and came over and she lived in Clearwater. So she drove over and she spent the night with me just talking to me and like, you know, consoling me. And the weird thing was, is that she wanted to stay with me. And I, and you know, the first thing that went through my mind was I would never, um, be with anyone ever again. I could never have a partner. I, you know, all this stuff was going through my head. And she was just like, no, I, I want to stay with you or whatever. And um, I actually, I, I broke it off with her because of, I knew that she wanted kids. And and although I think there is a way that HIV positive people can have kids, at least I know of a couple of people who have, and their kids are fine. But um, back then, because uh, this yeah, is... Back, back then it wasn't an option at all. Yeah, it wasn't an option, and it was it was totally a death sentence uh, in my eyes. So, I, you know, I, all I could think of is I'm going to die. Um, uh, and so um, I, I, it was really weird because I, I, I went through this whole thing of I'm going to die, and so I thought, well, I will get a... Um, uh, uh, I'll take out a loan and do all the things I've always wanted to do, which was the stupidest idea I could have ever thought of. I know a lot but, of, well, you know what? A lot of people did that then. A lot of people were selling life insurance policies. Like, it was, because I've been positive for this, basically about the same amount of time you have, 20 going on, 20, I think it's 21 years this month. So I, Sarah converted, or, you know, or found, was diagnosed right at the same time, and, and it was crazy, you know. You did think you'd be, you thought you'd be dead, like within the next couple of years. So there weren't really a lot of yeah, options. yeah, yeah. So I, you know, I started this plan with the bucket list, I guess, uh, and I started writing out all the stuff that I wanted to do. And uh, one of them was I wanted to go to New York again because uh, of my original trip there. I was actually auditioning for the Crying Game uh, when I went in '90, and uh, oh, I didn't cool. get it, obviously. So, so, but, um, um, and so I wanted to go back to New York and I wanted to see, you know, some parts of Europe because I'd never left the United States and all this stuff. And then all of a sudden about like three or four months later, I woke up and I I was just like, you know what? You're an idiot. If you do this, you're probably going to be as healthy as a horse and you'll be in debt for the rest of your life. So I just scrapped the idea. So, and it took me a couple of years, but in 92, I got up and left Tampa and moved to New York. And um, the, the funny thing about Jade Electra, in 90, um, I gave up drag in Tampa. I used to have another drag name, which was Ebony. And, uh, and I gave up all my drag uh, shortly after I found out I was positive. So I sold all my stuff. And, well, I actually didn't sell it. I traded it for an old car, believe it or not. It was a 1972 Grand Zill. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> Oh my God! Yeah, we called it the land yacht. It was huge, uh, and um, so um, I wasn't doing drag. And when I moved to New York, um, one of the other things that inspired me to go to New York was the movie Paris is Burning. And it was so weird because as soon as I got there, I landed like in the middle of I guess what was left of the cast at that time. So uh, I moved in. Uh, the queen that took me in when I got there was uh, a queen named the Electrifying Grace. And she um, she lived downstairs from Paris Dupree, and the movie is actually named after Paris Dupree's ball or function, and her functions were called Paris is Burning, and uh, and so and then at the club that I worked was Dorian Corey, who's the other person who's the older queen who's sewing and talking and explaining what the balls were like back in the 70s, and I got to meet like all of these Willie Ninja, Tepalabasia, all of them. Uh, I ended up in the house of Labasia for a short time. Um, I did, like, all the stuff when I first got there. I, like, three weeks after I got to New York and I started DJing at this place called Sally's, I met Delight. Uh, they came into this tranny hooker bar, which I could not believe. <laughs> but um, they they were there. Um, David Cole from um, Covillis and Cole or CNC Music Factory. He used to come and watch drag shows there. It was, like, insane. So um, it just kind of, like, when I got there, Dorian Corey is the one who convinced me that I should do drag again. And um, there was already an Ebony Jet in uh, New York at the time. So I had to come up with another name, but I've always liked colors for girls' names. So uh, I thought Jade. 
and Electra is kind of homage to the electrifying grace. So, um, so that became my name. And Dorian Corey did like all of my first costumes in New York, which I still have. Um, so I, I kind of treasure them uh, because of, uh, you know, I consider it to be part of, uh, especially the black gay urban history of New York City, and uh, that's really where Jade Electric came from. So, um, no, that, that's very interesting. Now, what made you want to pursue, you know, drag? What made you want to do that? You know, was it something that you always wanted to do when you were little? You know, dress up and and, and like that, or, or what was like, what kind of like put you in that road? I'm sure if you ask my family members, if you could find them, uh, they would probably tell you that I've been doing drag all my life. (laughs) Because when I was a little kid, uh, my grandmother used to keep my hair in braids. So often everyone would be like, oh, what a cute little girl. So I was very used to that kind of attention. Um, But as far as me, like, actually wanting to be on stage and in drag, I originally did not want to do that. Um, I had a, a cousin back in... Tampa named Lady Charlotte and um, which uh, his real name was Charles and he was kind of the black sheep of the family and he was very out and openly gay like in the 60s so most of the family kind of shunned him and uh, but he was a drag queen and a performer but in my eyes I you know with my I was underage when I started going out. I was like 16 or so, and I had a fake ID that said I was 25. How did you <laughs> I have no idea. But I, just, I, just, I had the same thing. I looked like I was 12. It was hilarious. <laughs> so, so I'm out at these clubs, and I would see my cousin perform, and I would see people laughing at him, not really – they were making fun of him. They weren't enjoying his his performance. They were kind of – they were enjoying it, but not – the way he wanted them to enjoy it. And they would cheer him on, but I could see the, the mockery that was going on. And I was just like, oh, no, I definitely don't want that to happen to me. So I didn't want to do drag. And, uh, but I kept entering this talent show that they had at this club called Renee's. And um, I, would, um, I, I would go in, and I was doing, like, Michael Jackson and Prince, so I might as well have been doing drag. But... <laughs> so, <laughs> I would go in and I would do these numbers and only drag queens would win. And there was a queen named Donna White who came in one night and she was as big as a football player. <laughs> and she had, she came into the dressing room and made a dress uh, right before she went on. She like cut out a quick pattern uh, and it was a very simple, like nothing fancy. Like, and she stitched it right there in the dressing room. And then she proceeded to reach in her bag and get, uh, some spray adhesives and glitter and she threw it and she threw the glitter on the dress and sprayed it and went out on stage and won $100 and I was just like I'm wasting my time doing all of, you know going doing all these like you know I, I one night I, I actually paid a friend of mine to, to recreate Prince's purple rain jacket the thing cost me more than the prize and I still didn't win <laughs> <laughs> so I was oh like, so funny. <laughs> I was like, well, I can't look any worse than her. So the, you know, so I was just like, I'm gonna try this. And so um, I never forget the first time I did it. I went out and I did "How Come You Don't Call Me Anymore" by Stephanie Mills. And uh, I'm really dating myself. And and earlier you mentioned my age. I'm not ashamed of my age at all. I'm actually very proud of it. I'm going to be uh, 43 on Tuesday, actually. Oh, honey, trust me, I already did the math. And when he, when he said he's there converted, converted at 23, I was like, oh, she could be 43, because I'm 41. So. <laughs> so so um, I, uh, I, I, I'm doing this song. I knew nothing about makeup. I knew nothing about, like, where to get clothes or whatever. But I, I was living uh, near Ybor City at that time. Actually, I was living in Ybor City, which is a, an older part of Tampa, uh, known for the cigar factories and stuff that used to uh, be there. But now Ybor City is like the big party place in Tampa. And uh, so I lived above a, um, uh, a vintage clothing store. And I used to have this great poster of uh, Elizabeth Taylor from Cat on the Hot Tin Roof in a slip. 
So I thought, oh, well, that's what I'll do. I'll, I'll wear a slip, and uh, and I'll have a, a gimmick. So the song is about uh, how come you don't call me anymore. So I had my telephone, and it was one of those old telephones, the kind that you dial. <laughs> and, uh, and I had Rot- rotary, <laughs> janky old rotary phones. I remember That's those. Right. <laughs> yeah, 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 I know most of you young kids out there have no idea what that is. <laughs> but um, the and I had a framed photograph of Michael Jackson, and so uh, I went out and I'll never forget. Um, the stage was black. It was a blackout, so I went and sat on the edge of the stage. I'm wearing a slip. I have socks for tits. I have no foundation on. Uh, I had some lipstick, which I put on, and I rubbed a little on my cheeks to give me a blush. And uh, uh, I didn't wear a wig because back then it was the 80s, so I had a jerry curl. So I used my own hair. And, uh, <laughs> and so I'm sitting there on the steps, and the spotlight hits me. And from the second that the spotlight hit me, the laughter in the room was so loud I could barely hear the music it was <laughs> it was the, one of the worst performances ever they howled and I was so nervous about the whole thing and but I knew that if I um if I uh, uh got up and ran off the stage that they would um they I, I could never show my face there so I just suffered through this number and um, my legs started shaking uncontrollably and uh, so that just made them laugh even more. And it was just bad. And I remember at the end of, uh, after the number was over and I went backstage, the hostess, uh, this queen named Tony Rose, she pulled me aside and she said, you know what? I know that that was a bad experience or whatever. And if you want to try it again, I'll help you. Uh, and I said, you know, okay. And she gave me uh, an old dress of hers. And she said, when you, Next week, show up early, and I'll help you with your makeup, and I'll give you a wig. And uh, and she gave me a Millie Jackson record, and she said, now take this home and pick a track off of it and learn it. And so I did. And when I came back that next week uh, with her help, I won. And that's kind of how it all started. Um, and I don't know, well, Jack, probably you would know from – like being in the spotlight, once you get a taste of it, it's kind of addictive sometimes. I mean, some people don't like it, but right. But, uh, no, I know. But, it can uh, be. It can be. It can be very addictive. <laughs> so once I got a taste of it, I was just like, oh, I have to do this again. So I just kind of went from there. And so my first drag name was Ebony, and um, um, I only had one outfit for a long time. So and then the audiences there were really shady, so they dubbed me. Ebony Fashions, which was a, a read on me for not having any other clothes. But eventually it, it began to fit because uh, I started winning and then I started investing in clothes and I had really nice clothes. So then it became, you know, it wasn't a joke anymore. It was something serious. Ebony Fashions meant business. She was a performer. She, she had nice clothes. She knew her words, you know, because that was the big thing back then was, if she knew her words, because <laughs> sometimes I see some of these girls on stage and I'm like, I don't care if you look horrible or, you know, your dress isn't fitting the way it should be. If you know your words, you've already won for me because <laughs> you, re- you really have to study your material. So getting on stage and, you know, looking fabulous but not knowing a, a word of your song, to me that's just, what's the point? <laughs> We can see a beautiful woman walking down the street. That's fine. Uh, but don't get on a stage if you don't know what you're going to do when you're getting on stage. So, but that's just my opinion. <laughs> Jay, do you find it easier to be open about your status because you do drag? Because you, 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 know, you have this persona that is not necessarily, you know, you. You know what I mean? It is you, but it isn't. You know what I mean? Like, is it easier no, that way? I- Actually, you know, believe it or not, um, my, my partner, John Richard Allen, um, he uh, actually, over the past year or so, has convinced me that I should be a lot more open about it. Everyone who knew me personally knew, uh, you know, anyone that I got involved with or anyone uh, of my close friends or whatever, they all knew, and I was very open about it. And it wasn't that it was a secret, and of course, you know, 
some people who are no longer my friends who know or whatever, yeah, you tell the queen, you've told the world because, you know, <laughs> they will run their mouths and tell everyone or whatever, oh, you know, she's got the package girl, whatever. So I, I knew that I knew that, that was, you know, the case if I started telling people. So I wasn't worried about it or whatever, but I was never, like, broadcasting it or, or telling everyone or, or anything like that. But getting involved with John, since he's so out and he's so political about it, uh, it just kind of made me rethink about what I was doing with my status and what I could do. So coming out really actually helped with um, me, like, doing, like, more charity stuff. Like, I, I did a lot of stuff for, um, for like, uh, the, the meals program. Uh, like, I, I, like, I would do different drives. Uh, uh, I used to work with Harmonica Sunbeam, and we would do certain things for, like, children uh, with AIDS uh, at Christmas time. We would do drives and stuff like that. So coming out, like, sort of kind of really, I don't know, it, it, it kind of made it more in the forefront that, like, this is someone who is, who is working to better it for other people. And, you know, so that's, so every opportunity that I get, I try to do something that will help the HIV positive community. So, and which leads me into segueing about my new single that I'm working on called HIV Vogue. And uh, it's going to, it's kind of like, um, hmm, I, I, I do uh, the tracks that I'm known for, they're called bitch tracks and uh, they're like real big in the ballroom scene and, the kids who vogue and do runway or whatever, most of those kids, those are the ones who know me. Uh, so I wanted to do something that was more like a public service announcement about, you know, being more cautious. Uh, and, and I'm sort of, John and I have this, the same, uh, like, view about uh, sex sites. Uh, they all have this whole thing about, um, you know, uh, HIV positive, uh, negative, uh, or whatever, and um, and I just think that like they shouldn't, and the reason why I think that they shouldn't is because it would force people to have the conversation because people lie, you know, right. and that's and and I would like more people to actually sit and talk. Like I have, I had a friend a long time ago. Like when I told him that I was positive, he like totally like. It flipped out and was like, and, and he was just a friend of mine. It wasn't that we were sleeping together or whatever. And he knew that you couldn't get it from, you know, casual contact or whatever. But he just like, he never knew anyone at that point who was and who would tell him, you know, like I think he probably had met plenty of people and didn't know it, but he never met anyone who would tell him to his face that, oh, yeah, I am positive. So it was, um, you know, um, I, I just want, I, I wanted to make sure that I did something to wake these kids up who are coming out right now about the online thing and, and just the fact that people do lie. So have the conversation, talk to your partner, talk, you know, and be very casual about it and make it a, not a big thing. Because of when you don't make it a big thing, then it, it isn't. And that's the one thing that John has taught me is that it's not a big thing. I, you know, I'm HIV positive, so what? I, I still got to work. I still got to, you know, do all the stuff that I need to do to get through life. Um, and obviously, I didn't die 20 years ago. So, <laughs> so you know, um, I, I'm just. I, I'm glad that I finally just like started speaking out more about it because I think more people should. That's actually really interesting. I've never heard someone make that argument for taking the HIV status thing off of the online profiles, which you make an interesting case for that because number one, people either just don't put anything at all or they can lie. And like, I mean, I know for, I, you know, I'm not on like Manhunt or anything, but I do. I'm on some other social networking ones where you can put your HIV status, and like 
maybe 1% of the population which is HIV positive, and, like, you know, that's ridiculous. Like, the, right, right. <laughs> so people are just, because of the stigma, are scared to do that. But it's like, you know, you're, if you're engaging in any kind of sexual behavior with someone, you should assume they're positive until proven otherwise. You know what I mean? Right. Like you, definitely, definitely. So. And that's, and the, the HIV, uh, the HIV Vogue track, is about that, and it's also it's inspired by my husband's work because uh, he uh, is an artist and he's done all these um, beautiful graphics of all these HIV positive people, and he's put them like on a magazine cover called HIV Vogue. So yeah, we've seen that, right, Robert? Yeah, yeah. That's why I was I was waiting um, to say that. Yeah, that's kind of you know how I was introduced to you, Jade, you know, obviously through your partner because he did, you know, the uh, magazine article with um, one of my, myself, you know what I mean? So that's kind mm -hmm. of, I think, how we kind of intertwined with each other on Facebook. And I think it's such a great thing that he does, he, that he puts different people out there and he kind of makes them, you know, like puts them out there for, because, you know, you'll get a regular magazine and there's not always somebody who's HIV positive on it or, you know, and it's just really nice to see it put in a good way as, as something positive. No pun intended. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, because no, yeah, it's great work I, that he does. Yeah, and I and so I was looking at his work and I was like, well, I really, you know, I, unfortunately he's the shy one, so he doesn't he doesn't really <laughs> go out and 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 talk about what he's doing or whatever. He just kind of works on his stuff and he. And I'm like, well, we've got to do something with this. I'm, I'm trying hard to get him in uh, an exhibition for World AIDS Day this year. Um, and um, so, and I was thinking, well, if I did a, a track, then we could use the, the visuals of his um, work in the video for it. And so that's right. kind of how it started. So That's awesome. I can't wait to see when all that's done. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm hoping we're talking to a couple of people up here in Toronto about um, getting an exhibit, but I would love to bring it to New York and to other cities, you know, to let them see, like, these are the people and these are the faces of HIV, and they're not all gay people. They're not all, you know, drag queens. They're not all, you know, victims or, you know, because a lot of people play the victim card with HIV and I, I've never considered myself to be a victim. Um, I knew the risk. I, you know, uh, unfortunately, I wasn't as educated as I am now. So, you know, and let's see, I think that's another thing that a lot of people don't realize about back in the 80s. Uh, and it, it had to do a lot with where you're from. I was in Florida, and Florida, the education and the information wasn't given out the way it was in New York City or one of the larger, like in Tampa, it wasn't the, the same as it would be in New York City where, like, there were people actively out and passing out condoms and all that stuff. So we didn't have all the information. So I, you know, how I became positive was a misinformation, and it had to do with lubrication, uh, I, you know, I did not know that you couldn't use certain lubricants. So mm -hmm. the condom broke. Yeah. Right. So, so talk, talk um, I want to talk a little bit about how it was, um, I don't know exactly um, your whole family situation, but how was it, did you tell your family you were HIV positive, and what was that like when you told them? Um, I, unfortunately, my mom passed away before, um, this all happened, or before I, like, found out officially. Uh, and I've not spoken to my father since 91, but I never had the conversation with him. Um, my brother knows, and some other family members know, uh, like cousins and stuff like that. Uh, so I'm assuming that, you know, uh, they talk amongst themselves. So I'm sure it's common knowledge by now since it has been over 20 years. I'm sure they all, uh, they all know by now. But, uh, but I've not, you know, the only per person that I'm really close with is my brother Anthony. So I, I don't really, I, unfortunately, my family did not take to me being gay too well. So, you know, uh, my father had a huge problem with it because I'm a junior and he felt like I was 
destroying his name, and he had this big blowout Thanksgiving uh, 91. So that was probably the last time that I actually spoke to him. So, yeah. So the family thing, I, it, it hasn't been an issue because I guess I haven't been around. I just kind of left. Right. I don't think that's uncommon. Actually, we have we have a lot of similarities. I and I was just telling Robert before he came on the air, like, I just got a letter from my dad yesterday who I haven't spoke to, I would say, same, about around the same time. So mm-hmm. my, bro- my brother is getting married, so he's, like, trying to reach out to me. It's just really bizarre. But, um... Yeah, it's weird. And he didn't know, I, surprisingly, he didn't know I was HIV positive either until like a week ago. <laughs> oh, my God. So I'm like, how do you not know that? I'm like, no offense, but like there's a thing called the Internet, and if you were actually interested in me in any way, shape, or form, you could just type my name in, and then you would find out everything. <laughs> really? Uh, well, I'm like, are you living under a rock? But whatever. Um, he must not get Bravo. Well, I don't think he watches TV, but it's like, I don't, it's not even that. It would just be like, you know, if you, you wanted to know what your your son is doing in any way, shape, or form, like, it's even if you're not, you know, haven't been on TV, you can pretty much Google everyone's name, unless your name is John Smith and there's 400 of you, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Oh, that's hmm. Well, I was, I was just a little bit uh, curious to explore a little bit more about how you felt in that moment of finding out that you're positive, just because... You know, most of the people that we talk to, you know, are are have been diagnosed in the last 10 years or so because most of the people that were diagnosed, you know, 15, 20 plus years ago are dead. Um, right. By by all me by by most statistics, you and I should both be dead. So most definitely. But I actually believe it or not, I believe the reason that I'm still here is because I did not rush and get on any meds because back then uh, AZT was the main. Um, yeah, that's all, that's all there was. That was the main drug, and I watched so many of my friends die on it, and I watched people just, like, you know, destroy themselves either on it or doing other things because of they found out they were. Right. Positive. And so I was just like, mm, I, you know, I, I, I promised myself that I wasn't going to do anything about it or try anything until I really – felt like I needed to do something, like there would have to be something major. Otherwise, if it ain't broke, I'm not fixing it, is the way I looked at it. Oh, uh, that was totally my theory, too. Totally. <laughs> and actually, the so, funny thing was, I, for me, when I was on the same medication for literally like 16 years, and it was so antiquated, my doctor was like, why are you still taking this? I'm like, because I'm fine. Like, why do I need to take the new medicine? Because it's new. I don't care, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, believe it or not, I I didn't go on the meds until um, probably about, uh, it's going on five years ago now. So until uh, five yeah, until five years ago, I didn't do anything. Um, I was, so you're one uh, of those, like, freaks of nature who basically, like, <laughs> well, no, there's very few. You're in, like, the probably, like, I don't know the percentage, but I would assume it's a very small percent of people that can be HIV positive for 15, what was it, 15 years and not, you know, not develop yeah, AIDS I, and not develop a really high viral load, or I don't know what your numbers were. But well, well, actually, by the time, well, what happened was I got um, I got really sick. Um, I, well, I had a couple of things going on because I I, I didn't know I was diabetic, so I, I started uh, I had uh, the sore on my ankle, which I didn't you know I just thought it was a sore or a cut. So I kept trying to bandage it and thinking, oh, it'll heal. It'll heal, and it wouldn't. And uh, finally, I went to a doctor, and he's like, um, "We need to get you to a hospital <laughs> because this is what we call a diabetic ulcer, and this is how people lose their legs and stuff like that." And I was like, "What?" <laughs> and, and so, so that's basically what happened is I uh, I started getting really bad symptoms um, for my uh, diabetes, and also I had like had to pee all the time and it was like embarrassing. <laughs> so, so, um, uh, I, yeah, finding that out. And then while I was there, they were like, well, 
I, I said, well, I, I know I'm HIV positive, and they were like, okay, well, they started doing blood work or whatever. So it wasn't that my vi- my viral load was really, really high, um, but I just never got sick, like, from it or anything like that. I had no complications in that department. And uh, so, but at that moment, because I was having all these complications with the diabetes and all that stuff, everything was going wrong at that moment. So I had to do a whole bunch of stuff in a short period of time. And um, and so I, I got on the diabetes medicine and and my my doctor was like, okay, you need to um, you need to like consider doing a cocktail or something. And I was like, okay, so we went through all the different meds and we found out what works because there's different HIV meds for different people. So like if you're diabetic, there are certain combos that are better for a diabetic. So and we found that in mine is uh, Epsicon and Reates. So um, that's that's really how I got on the meds. Otherwise, if that hadn't happened, I probably still would be wandering about. Right. Uh, One of the things that that's interesting, just because I went on meds immediately, um, um, and I mean, which just goes to show you, different things work for different people. Like I went on AZT and. Uh, it was whatever. I didn't do when it wasn't positive or negative for me necessarily. And then I went on a, as, as things slowly came out down the pipeline. I switched up a few times until I found something that worked for me. But I've been on meds the whole time, so um, it's interesting. It's just you know certain things work for some people, and and even medications. It's like different things work differently for different people, and so. I think that's what um, you know is really important that this disease itself is so unique for everybody, you know, it's so individual. Um, one of the things, Jade, I did want to talk about is that you are uh, one of the bloggers over at our friend Brian Finch's website, PositiveLight.com. Can you tell us a little bit about what you blog about over there and the name of your blog? Uh, well, I do that actually under my DJ name of Relentless, and uh, it's, uh, it's a music blog. It's, it's relentlessly speaking about music, and normally it's about music, uh, but it's also about being a DJ or whatever, and at, at first when he asked me about doing it, I was just like, well, I don't know. I mean, I, because it's a positive site, I was like, is everything supposed to be written about being positive? Uh, and he's like, no, 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 That's, and you just happen to be positive. So write what you write, whatever it is that you do or whatever. So I've actually been having a really great time with it. I put, like, my top ten from each week up, and I put, you know, my little reviews of – of uh, the latest singles or whatever it is that I'm playing. And um, and then, I, you know, I do get into some personal things uh, sometimes about my life or what's going on around. And also just getting adjusted to Toronto because of um, I moved here um, at the end of December and uh, started the new year here. So 2010 has been like a complete change for me. And uh, so... I've been writing about that, about getting adjusted here, because it's a little different in some yeah, ways. I was just there not too long ago in, in Toronto, and you, I see that you performed at uh, Crew and Tangos, and that was one of the host parts uh, that we went to for the soccer tournament. Um, are you going to be performing anywhere coming up where people can check you out at? Oh, well, I'm, uh, I'm at Crews and Tangos every Saturday. Every? I, have my own, I have my own show at 7 p.m. Uh, on Saturdays, and... Uh, it's a, a weekly variety show, so I try and invite different guests. Like um, uh, I, I've had like live singers, rap groups, spoken word artists. Uh, I'm hoping to get some comedians because I want it to be. I want to be like um, I guess the David Letterman of the drag scene here, <laughs> so I can have everyone, everyone on my stage, and and just give a, a variety of entertainment because that's what I you know I think that that. Uh, is something that the scene here needs is a little variety. And plus there's a bunch of really creative people here who don't actually have a space to perform or show what it is that they do. So I'm hoping to create that space in the gay community here to give them a space that they can come and do their art or whatever it is that they do. So, and oh, I think that's great. 
we're we're actually uh, videotaping each thing, and, and we're hoping to premiere it like on YouTube and probably on Positive Light as well uh, as a little internet TV show. So it will be called Jaded. Cool. So people have to check that out at um, positivelight.com eventually when that comes comes out. Um, real quick, I did want to open up the phone lines and allow people to give us a call here at 347-215-9442. Uh, you can speak with either, uh, you know, all of us here, Jade, Jack, and myself, or you can post a question in the chat room if you're too shy to call into the show. Um, what advice would you give somebody who is newly diagnosed and is kind of afraid? Um, is this for me? Yeah. <laughs> you're, the, you're, the, you're the guest here. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, I would say, one, um, look at all your options first. Um, don't, I, I definitely don't rush into anything as far as the meds are concerned until you feel comfortable with whatever it is. I know a lot of people, you know, for some people it works to rush and go ahead and get on the meds or whatever. But from my experience, personally, what I can tell you is that I'm glad that I waited. And why I'm glad is um, because of by the time I did start the meds, they were so much better. So, like, the meds we have now are so much better than what were going on 20 years ago. So if I had gotten on an AZT, statistically, I probably would be dead by now um, because most African Americans on AZT – it, you know, it didn't do well with them, probably. I think it had – I read some kind of study a long time ago that said that it had something to do with their diets and just their chemical makeup uh, and the drug itself. It basically was eating away – it was eating away the, the the bad cells, but it was also eating the good cells as well. <laughs> so you would eventually just, you know, die. So I'm glad that I didn't do that. Um so well, I, I think it's also it's all, not, not to put words in your mouth, but I think it's also you know to anyone newly diagnosed know know that there are there are many options. Like there's your option, there's tons of treatment options. Like like you said, you should explore all those options before making a decision. Correct. That's okay. definitely something you know have an awesome doctor that can help you do that, hopefully. And also, like the people who are closest to you, please, please talk to them and talk to them about what, what's going on with you and make sure that you have someone to talk to. Uh, that made the world of a difference as knowing that there was someone who actually would listen and cared. And, uh, you know, and in this day and age, I don't think that there is anyone who hasn't met or knows of someone who is positive. I'm, I can't even imagine where you would live. Like, in an igloo somewhere out in Alaska or something, maybe, you know, but anyone who lives in a big country or a big city or even a small town or whatever, it's everywhere. So I would definitely advise that you find someone to talk to. Hopefully it's someone that you know so you feel comfortable and speak about what's going on with you because a lot of people bottle up things and that is the worst. That will kill you as well bottling up emotions and, and keeping things just locked up inside. That's so bad. Yeah, um, one of the things, one of the things that I think uh, that has given me longevity is, is I, and unfortunately some people fault me for it as I don't bottle up anything. So if there's something bothering me or whatever, I speak about it and I just let it go. Uh, although some people don't appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> but once I've said it, I'm done with it. Like, you know, if me and John have a fight or something like that, I'm done after that. It's not, you know, I'm not festering and thinking, oh, it's not like that at all. It's just I needed to get it off my chest so it's not stressing me out later because stress is a really bad thing for someone who's positive. So. Oh, yeah. Well, I also think that, you know, because of the stigma, people are really afraid to tell a lot of people, even close friends and even sometimes doctors and whatever. And, um, you know, overwhelmingly, I can say, of course, there's always, you know, issues with people who have really religious families that are just super intolerant no matter what the subject matter is. But, you know, for the major- in the majority of cases, people that speak out about it get nothing but support or, you know, get really great advice or 
find that people are also positive or know someone that is or their brother or sister is. And it's like a much smaller world and a much larger HIV community than you think. I mean, you think a lot of people are diagnosed and they think they're alone or, you know. Yeah, well, and and I I think the other thing, especially uh, one of the big things with me in the beginning when I found out was thinking that I was going to be alone and that I would never have a partner again because no one would want to sleep with me because of it or whatever. And uh, it's, you know, I'm so blessed to have found John. Um, but, like, you know, I, a lot of my relationships, I was the, the positive one and they were negative. Uh, and knock on wood, only one of them uh, became positive afterwards, but it had nothing to do with me. So thank God. <laughs> so, right. but, um, you know, no, real quick, uh, one of the questions I wanted to ask you, because we're winding down to the last 10 minutes, and I still want to play your song at the end. Um, okay. But one of the things I wanted to talk about was, what was it like for you to sit at home and watch, I'm sure you were through Paul's Drag Race when it was on, correct? Uh, actually, I did not Some watch it. I didn't watch it. it. Um, no, and the reason why, and, um, I, you know, she's probably, well, we're not close friends or anything like that, but she did an article with, uh, I think it was Next Magazine or HX, when the first season was on, and they mm-hmm. asked why were there no New York girls on the show, and she said, I quote, that there, um, the New York girls didn't have what it took to be in the competition. And I was just like, oh, no, she didn't. <laughs> and, well, that's, so, <laughs> that's funny, because there's like half the cast this season is from New York, so... Right, right, right. So she, like, tried to overcompensate this season. And also, at the same time, you know, there's been a lot of talk and all kinds of stuff. Um, But um, there's been some things that Rue and I have been up for. There's some things, like her original show on VH1, um, it was a video show before it was a a talk show with guests. Um, That was my idea. I I actually... Yeah, I sent in an audition tape to MTV uh, with, um, uh, with I wanted to be the first drag uh, uh, VJ. So I sent this whole, I recorded it at the works, actually, because they had such a great library. So we put together music videos, and we filmed me talking about the videos and introducing them and sent the videotape over to them. And they told me, oh, well, no, we're not really interested in the idea. But what they did was they took it in and they gave it to VH1, and they cast her in it. So, Welcome to so, TV. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so I so, guess what my question was for you, Jade, is what what was your your take? Because obviously you you heard of you know how everything fell out with Angina coming out on television and saying that she was positive. Yes, what was that like for somebody like yourself to see somebody who kind of mirrored you know by being you know a gay man in drag and HIV? What was that like for you to see on TV? Uh, hear about? Well, I didn't. Uh, you know, to hear about. And I actually yeah. had the privilege of meeting on China at the, uh, our youth awards, uh, last year, uh, cause she was being honored. And so was I, um, uh, it was great. Um, because I thought that it needed to be done, that someone needed to actually do it on the air and talk about it and put it kind of out there. I, you know, people I, in the, in the context of someone in a, sh- a reality show, someone coming out. There are people who come out, you know, in the news or they're dragged out in the news or whatever about their status or whatever. But someone who spoke about it and made it a real, you know, made it a real thing for people to see and know, like you got to know her through the series. So you had empathy and, and you, you know, and someone who was positive as well, they could empathize and feel for her for that moment. And so I was very, I was proud, actually, to hear about the story of her coming out. Cool. Well, we're winding down to the last couple of minutes. The song that we're going to play is uh, Don't Explain. Can you tell us a little bit about that song before we, um, you know? Uh, it, is a, it is a cover of Billie Holiday's Don't Explain. And uh, I actually, the interesting thing about it is, is I sang it a cappella. I recorded the, the vocal in my living room back in New York, and I sang it a cappella, and I gave it to, at the time I had um, um, a French roommate named Feli, uh, who's a brilliant musician, 
Uh, and uh, I gave it to him, and he just, like, you know, he disappeared with it for a couple of days, and he came back, and he's like, oh, what do you think of this? And I was like, wow. Like, and he knew nothing about the song. He didn't know that it was a Billie Holiday song. He didn't know the melody of it or anything. He just went and created some music behind my vocals, and it came out brilliant. So uh, it's, it's actually one of the tracks I'm very proud of. So. Great. Well, we'll be um, playing that at the very end. I want to thank you for coming on. It's been a pleasure, and we want you to, of course, come back when you start that video series. I think that would be okay. really awesome to uh, promote and to talk about. I would love to. I would love to. Well, thank okay. you so well, much for joining us. And thank you for having me. Bye. Have and a good night. Bye, Jack. <laughs> Remember, folks, you can find more information on Jay Spectra at www.myspace backslash, myspace.com backslash Jade Electra. Um, very interesting. You know, it's nice to, uh, to get a different take on it and, and to hear from, you know, somebody who is, you know, up, I wanted to, I forgot, I wanted to ask about the, how it was with healthcare up there, she's in Toronto, and how much different it was being here in the States. So, Jack, is there anything else you wanted to tell us about the, uh, the story with your dad and the letter? Or did you oh, no, no, him? please, that's a good 10-minuter. Like, so we'll get into it another time. <laughs> I'm right, sure right, there, right. Will be more, there will be more chapters in the saga, so. <laughs> Just real quick, I do want to let people know that um, if you missed the show, it was great. We had uh, Positive and Blogger Christopher Myron on and had his family listening, and they called in, and he kind of, right before the show, posted a video of you know, words of encouragement for people who are newly diagnosed and didn't realize his YouTube was connected to his fucking kind of came out HIV positive on Facebook. And it was oh, uh, really? kind of an interesting subject to talk about because he forgot that they were connected. But he got a great reaction from people, and I think that's just, you know, something that was interesting that people can check out as well. The one thing I want to also remind people to go check out Jack's site um, and his blog at jacknessbuck.com. I have a blog over at thebody.com that you can check out. And I also want to give a special thank you to Jack. Um, to the people at APLA and the people at HIV Plus because they sent out plaques for the people who were mentioned in their article, the 25 and 25. Oh, yeah, I got mine, too. So and I just cool. received it the other day, so I just wanted to uh, thank them on air for the, the award. I was, like, flabbergasted very groovy, by it. It's very beautiful. groovy. <laughs> um, other than that, Jack, do you have anything else coming up that you can talk about? Or? Uh, yeah, but I'm too tired. Talk about it next time. <laughs> <laughs> and again, you guys can find more information on Jade Electra. You can check uh, her blog out over at uh, positivelight.com. And we will be uh, actually on vacation for the next two weeks, so Positive Radio will return on September 5th. And we're going to uh, switch it up a little bit. We're going to bring some guest co-hosts on the show and talk about some hot topics. So look forward to having Sherry Lewis, Justin B. Smith, Angina, uh, Dad. Mark S. King, who's in the chat room, and all those people come on and, and kind of just talk about different things to kind of, I don't know, bring a different twist to it. So I want to thank everybody who's been tuning for the last two years. I appreciate it. Our show has been downloaded over 40,000 times off of iTunes. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to play this song, and this song will actually lead us out so everybody can enjoy the rest of the, of the evening. And remember, Jack at jackmackenroth.com. You can find more about me at pauseim.com, and the song is Unexplained by Jade Electra. Jack, you have a great night. You too. Talk to you later. Right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Why don't explain?